Hey, in this Financial Sense episode, we're going to be talking about international trade and financing. Stick around, might learn something. You're listening to Financial Sense, Arizona's financial podcast that answers your real questions about money in your business and in your life. Recorded and brought to you at National Bank of Arizona, the only bank you need. Hello, I'm Brent Cannon. I'm the Director of Community Banking here at National Bank of Arizona. On this episode of Financial Sense, we're going to talk about something that's vital to the Arizona economy international trade and financing. And today, to discuss this important topic, we have two great guests, Marcos Garay, Director of Strategic Business Development, and Mark Garfield, Regional Manager, International Banking. I'd like both gentlemen uh, to just provide a short uh, intro of of who you are, your job, and uh, what you do here at the bank. Marcos, why don't you lead us off? Thanks, Brent. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. Um, at the bank, I wear a couple of different hats. One is I lead uh, an effort called Multicultural Banking. Uh, I work closely with you and, and your team. Um, the other uh, hat is a little different. It is an international uh, trade and investment. Um, that is my background. That's great. Thanks, Marcos. And Mark? I office in Salt Lake City, Utah. I work for Zions Band Corporation. We are the the uh, parent company that supports National Bank of Arizona and their efforts to do trade. So I have two hats also to support companies that do business overseas, as well as I'm the head of our global financial institutions group that allows us to connect our bank, National Bank of Arizona, to the rest of the world by having collaborative and and, and accounts with banks around the world. So those are my two roles. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Marcus. Let me ask you this question, kind of kind of get things started off here. When, when we say we're talking about international trade of goods and services, what exactly are we talking about in terms of business dealings? Let's provide some examples for, for, for the listeners. Basically, Brent, the um, international trade is the exchange of goods and services between countries, period. Very simple. Uh, let's say that you have a business here in Arizona and you want to sell Canadian maple syrup. You have a, a supplier in Canada, uh, you import some maple syrup, you're doing international business, you're importing. Uh, let's say you're a pecan grower down in Sawarita or uh, the Green Valley area. You wanna export pecans to uh, Australia or uh, New Zealand or anywhere else, you're involved in international trade. So it's just the exchange of goods and or services between different countries. That makes sense. You know, and, and, and given Arizona's proximity uh, uh, to uh, Mexico, uh, it seems like this, you know, international trade and companies that are, that are, that are selling either into Mexico or uh, into the United States would be just an, an important and integral kind of part of our mission. Marcos, you want to just kind of uh, talk about that? Absolutely, Brent. Um, some of the industries that you'll recognize right away and our viewers will recognize uh, that are very important to Arizona's international trade are mining, manufacturing of any and every type, uh, technology in all of its forms, agriculture. Um, Arizona does business with 25 countries uh, around the world, so it's not just uh, uh, exports to Mexico. And, and yes, by the way, uh, Mexico is the largest trading partner. Canada is the third largest, China being the second. But Arizona does business worldwide, and it's critical to our state that we uh, continue to do that. Well, I would say our biggest trading partner, like Marco said, is Canada and Mexico, but we also go across the Pacific, and we'll lots of trade in the, into Asia, as well as across the Atlantic into Europe. 
Marcos, maybe you could provide us kind of some context for how much this means to the Arizona economy. How much does international trade, you know, how big how big of the Arizona economy is it? So the top three exports for us for Arizona are civilian aircraft, engines and parts, uh, copper ore and concentrates and electronic integrated circuits. The, the thing to you know, look at is what is the supply chain to that? Because that involves hundreds of small businesses feeding into uh, these larger uh, industries. The imports, the same thing, um, electrical and industrial machinery, parts and equipment, agricultural products, fruit and vegetables, primarily from Mexico, and precision parts and instruments, uh, much of it from Canada. Just listen to, to some of these numbers. Uh, they're put out by the Business Roundtable, which is a, a large organization based in Washington, D.C., of the top CEOs of, of American companies. Um, there's about a, a 250,000 uh, jobs that are directly supported by trade with our northern and our southern neighbors. Um, in 2019, uh, sort of the full year pre-COVID, right? Right. Um, total exports were $25 billion dollars. Imports were $26.5 billion. So Arizona's international trade um, is $51.5 billion, roughly was in 2019. And here's here's something that uh, you'll appreciate, Brent. Of Arizona's 7,700 registered exporters, um, 87% are small businesses, of oh, wow. businesses under 500 employees. So uh, it's critical. International trade to our state is very, very important. Yeah. Marcos made an excellent point. He said, some, he mentioned some of the bigger companies, right? But those are supported by hundreds and hundreds of suppliers that might be small businesses. And our bank, through the National Bank of, through the National bank of Arizona, we have programs with supply chain finance, payable financing. That's part of the trade finance thing to make sure that these small businesses have the opportunity to really reach, get some working capital, allow them to meet the demands of some of these larger ex exporters. In many cases, the individual farmer, let's say in agriculture, isn't necessarily selling directly to the buyer overseas, but will go through bigger organizations or companies and make the sale to another domestic company with, with that would then sell overseas. That's really critical to, to think about this being kind of a, a, a long supply chain that uh, as you get probably further away from, especially from some of these larger corporate companies, you know, all those, all those suppliers probably they, you know, they, they, they become smaller and smaller. And really we all understand that that's really the lifeblood of our economy, whether we're talking international trade or not. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I was good. And, and I think supply chain, the term supply chain has really risen up. I think everyone understands that now. At the beginning of the COVID, we understood what it was like to disrupt the supply chain, right? Right. right. So either, either imports coming in or exports going out. When the supply yeah. chain is disrupted, we have challenges. And so the objective in international banking is make sure, like I said before, transact and finance that supply chain. And, and banks are required to be uh, it's requ it's a requirement to use a bank to make that happen. In the right. simplest terms, just to make a payment overseas if you have to buy something from other overseas, or to go collect the money after you've made after a company's made a sell. It's no good to make a sell overseas if you can't collect the money. Domestically, it's much easier. Internationally, it's a bigger challenge. And, and I may, um, if I may, add one more thing um, to uh, add to what Mark just said. Th there's a uh, the risk factor. The products and, and the expertise of the bank helps to mitigate the risk of someone here uh, selling it to someone across the world 
who that uh, business may or may not know directly, but um, because of the uh, types of products like export guarantees and insurance um, uh, and things like that, then it becomes very easy, much easier for, for someone here, a small business to grow their, their uh, client base, um, you know, wherever there's a demand for the product. I just want to, I want to play off those two points that, 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 Mark and, Mar- and Marcos, you have just made, and, and maybe give some specific examples, real products and services that we do both in the collection. And, you know, I'm just thinking this through for, especially for a business that's maybe thinking about uh, beginning to sell internationally that hasn't in the past. Um, give us an example, Mark, why don't you start? Well, Marcos alluded to it about a- assumption of risk, okay. right? So, so, and I'll just in simplest terms, let's say a company needs to make a payment overseas for something they've purchased. Well, is that done in U.S. dollars or is it done in Mexican peso, for example? Well, if it's if the company is selling and going to receive in Mexico peso, there's a risk of, of the valuation of the peso vis-a-vis the dollar. Right. Right. So profitability can change or any other kind of currency. So one of the, one of our strong uh uh, departments that can really help a client is to mitigate that foreign exchange risk. One other thing, letters or credits, it's, they're called com- uh, commercial letters or credits, and it's a mechanism to make payment. It also is a mechanism to transfer the title of the goods. Just like a car title, you have to transfer it to exchanging ownership. The same is true with goods and services, right? So right. letter credit is a mechanism to effectuate effectuate the payment as well as transfer title, whether an importer or an exporter. And that comes from, if it's in, in certain circumstances, that comes from a foreign bank. Well, that foreign bank might be, at, might there's, there's risk with that. So we can mitigate that risk. And the same goes for an importer where the, the seller overseas might want to take the risk of the company and put that on us, the bank, and we make the payment on behalf of our importer. Hmm. So we, so we were, it's risk. It's all about mitigating risk and getting that payment back and forth. Those are great. Those are great examples. Marcos, any, anything you'd like to add to that? I I would. Uh, One thing that um, let's say I'm a a small businessman here in Arizona and I want to sell into uh, Vietnam for some reason. Um, There is a, there's an institution that, Mark knows very well, um, called the Export-Import Bank of the United States. And they can make guarantees to us, to the bank, um, so that we can finance that export to the Arizona business of selling overseas. And, and, and that's a terrific um, tool for us uh, you know, to, to, to use, to look into, because it mitigates the risk to the bank as well. All right. And we are, we are one of the, we're a $70 billion institution, okay? But we are one of the top five banks in the country in, in uh, providing XM Bank financing to businesses. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really great stat. I had heard that before, but hadn't, hey, you know, you, you stop to think about that for a moment. I mean, what are we in the top, what, 26th-ish largest bank, somewhere in that range? And, and you said, Mark, we're fifth? Yes. Well, we're in the top five. We've moved. We we changed yeah. depending on other banks. But yeah. And Brent, I, I would say because we are in the we're in geographic areas that are important. Okay, Arizona National Bank of Arizona covers the state of Arizona, but we have affiliates that work in different names. But it's on the West Coast, the Rocky Mountain states, 
and then and then the south so that borders mexico all states that are big exporting states and so it we're, we're located in an area where there's a lot of trade and so it's important to us and just about product I, i'll tell you i was marcos and i were participating once in a cross-border uh a seminar a forum and every time i have raspberries or blueberries or some kind of berry put on my cereal in the morning. I think that I, I'm grateful to that cross-border business, <laughs> right, that comes over so that I can eat fresh vegetables every day. And I joke that the the number one item you can buy in a grocery store in the produce section, that's most volume of that, that product, we don't grow in the United States. It's called a banana. Banana. Right? Yeah. And thank sure. goodness to trade so that we can have that happen. And Love bananas you know, in my cereal. And there's some uh, there's some discussions about, you know, there's some pressure on trade. No, we have to be insular, but it just doesn't happen, whether it's, you know, product for a battery to have an electric cargo or it's uh, stuff we eat that's uh, where w- w- trade's necessary and working with a bank is necessary, you know. That's and, great. And I, if I, one last thing I could add, Brent. Um, sure. You guys talk about your your uh, colleges and how proud you are of them. Well, I'm very proud of mine um, at the Thunderbird School of Global Management. And uh, the I think it was the second president of Thunderbird said, um, borders frequented by trade seldom need soldiers. Ah. And, and that is something that uh, has become a mantra I think for us, and you know, we have a very um, open trading border. We have a tremendous um, uh, opportunity here where we are. Mark was exactly right. It's about location, 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 and we're not selling real estate. That's you know, right. We are in, in, a, in a privileged position. And, and and you know, there's there's some. I'll just say some challenges to trade. But just look at the countries that haven't participated in trade that may now be, you know, taken away from the uh, the countries because of their actions or governmental actions that don't have trade. How those countries really suffer? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really great point that comes that that should come out loud and clear in this podcast, and that is, you know, the international trade are it's 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 part of our community of our footprint of our bank and. And if we don't support that, Marcos and I have talked about this uh, many times regarding multicultural banking. That is our job, our role as a community bank to provide the needs in our community. And this is just happens to be, you know, turns out a pretty big part of our community, but it's a part of our community. Uh, Marcos, start with you. Uh, if, if, if someone is interested in talking to a banker uh, someone in Arizona about uh, about you know the potential for, of international trade or or talking to perhaps to to come to a new bank right and they feel like they're not getting their needs met at their current institution. What would you tell them? Um, I tell them to uh, you know call um, go to our our website. Um, there's a link there that will connect them to the uh, global finance um, and any one of us. Uh, any other experts that we have, um, you know, can get in touch with them. Uh, we're ready to, uh, you know, to, to assist them, provide the best services that we can. Uh, well, gentlemen, uh, I would like to thank you for taking your time and and uh, talking about this very important part of our economy here in Arizona and actually in our footprint for, for our entire uh, organization. Uh, and uh, here's to expanding the borders, right? Absolutely. Check out more episodes from your favorite podcasting platform or watch us on YouTube. 
If you have any other financial questions you're wanting answered, send us an email to financialsense at mbarizona.com or leave a comment. Uh, We'll see you next time. All loans are subject to credit approval. Terms and conditions apply. APR is based on credit worthiness and other factors. Your actual APR may be higher. Contact Branch for full details. NMLS number 467014. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research, recommendations, representations, or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements of any information contained in this podcast and any liabilities from Zions Bank Corporation N.A. or its divisions, including direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast may not be those of Zions Bank Corporation N.A. or any of its divisions. Zions Bank Corporation N.A. is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice, investment, or otherwise by Zions Bank Corporation N.A. to that listener. Copyright reserved by Zions Bank Corporation N.A. National Bank of Arizona is a division of Zions Bank Corporation N.A. Member FDIC.